Disclaimer. Content warning. This podcast contains views of violence, strong language, and strong situations, some of which may not be suitable for those under the age of 18 or with soft listening habits. Listener discretion is strongly advised. The Focus Fights Audio Podcast contains the expressed opinion of J. Christian Gary and whoever he may have hosting the show with him, or whoever may take the place of Mr. Gary on behalf of him. Their words are of theirs and theirs alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of Focus Fights or any entities mentioned for fear of lost opportunities or future endeavorment in whole or in part in the present or in the future. Any questions, comments, or concerns about this podcast can be referred to via DM on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Focus Fights or via email at focusfights at gmail.com. All the fighters mentioned on this show and or any guests that the host may have on are trained professional fighters, wrestlers, and combatants. And while we cannot speak for them, we should advise you, the listener, to not try any of the hits, holds, or moves seen in professional combat sports, at home, school, or anywhere else on adult supervision for fear of potential injury and or death. With that in mind, we thank you for your patience, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. Ryzen 42, as this is a very special edition of Focus Fights Audio. I am the showmeister, Chris Gary. On the line with me is Jay Wolf from Southern California and Sar Boris from my neck of the woods in Galveston County, Texas. And we are here not to talk about Canelo, not to talk about what's happened in the Octagon, not even to talk about that damned one championship that happened over the weekend. We are here to basically spiel over the superior rule set and talk about the Ryzen Fighting Federation. Namely, Ryzen 42, which happened this past weekend as of the time we're recording this. It's been 48 hours, less than 48 hours since the event happened at the new Ariake Arena in Koto, Tokyo, Japan. Now, before we run down the car... From the main event on up, in this case, because we want to work our way down from the main event to the curtain jerkers. Sarboris, what say you? What was your overall thoughts about this event, since you're the one that's closest to me? Uh, I thought it was a great event. Like, I think it's one of Ryan's best events of the year, to be honest with you. Like, I think it really... Had some great fights, especially that first of three, um, that tri-main event. I thought that was an amazing fight. Um, you know, the kickboxing actually impressed me. I shouldn't say impressed me. I actually thought it did better than I expected it to. You know, I, I just kind of thought 
Does that even happen? It, it did all right. Um, and yeah, I think I think I think it sets up a lot of good, interesting matchups. And uh, yeah, I, I also think I think Jay Wolf will even agree. I know he's a Cage lover, but um, that this is better than Landmark for sure, right? Right, right, Jay Wolf. Only because of landmark, the two main events didn't deliver. Like this one's main events, but I mean, if, if, if the two main events on, on landmark delivered, we would have been we would be talking about two back-to-back event of the year candidates, and we'd be yeah. debating which one is better. You can even say it was better than Backlash in Puerto Rico, even though...
election. We need to lobby the commission if Puerto Rico even has a commission, which I don't know if it does, um, uh, to get MMA on the island more because it would be electric. But yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I totally agree with you. They need to basically, I mean, if anything, the UFC has not had an event in Puerto Rico or any major MMA promotion has not had an event in Puerto Rico since 1996 or 97. Not, not, right? even, combat, not even Combate Global, which not, is like the Latin, like presented itself as the Latin American, you know, MMA promotion. Not even Combate Global, not even them. I mean, come to think of it, I did say in the last episode, you know, they would definitely do well. Well, they wouldn't really do well in states like North Dakota because even though they don't have a true athletic condi- true athletic commission, you know, if you bring Rise into North Dakota, no one's going to give a damn. If you bring Rise into a place out on the West Coast where Jay Wolf is, either L.A., San Francisco, or even... And I hope this doesn't happen. They're going to have it in Stockton. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Either Stockton, I mean, L.A., Sacramento, Stockton, San Fran, you know, even Las Vegas or Honolulu. You know, that event would probably get some eyeballs. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I can totally agree with that because in the Olympics, the COVID Olympics, pretty much because it was supposed to happen in yeah, 2020. Still for like the, the tennis, um, the tennis uh, courts. It was yeah. no in 2020 in the Olympics of 2020, really 2021. It was used for volleyball, volleyball and yeah. in the Summer Paralympics, it was used for wheelchair basketball. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, volleyball. They was used for volleyball. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this this is a nice little stop. It's a nice arena. Uh, if you know your history of pro wrestling, this is where uh, Denver Ariaka used to be. So it's, it's got the combat sports history here. So. Mm-hmm. Good crowd. Of course. Definitely a good crowd. Definitely a good crowd. But yeah, let's let's get into the, let's get into the, the first main event. Uh yeah. Let's go ahead. No wait, actually. Let's talk about the Bantamweight fights in tandem as a whole because there is some future news brewing about the fact of the winners of this fight meeting sometime down the line to determine the fifth Ryzen Fighting Federation Bantamweight champion. That would be, of course, decided between Kai Asakura, the second, no, wait, actually, yeah, the second Rise and Fighting Federation Bantamweight champion, 
defeating Yuki Motoya via knockout, knee to the body, or <laughs> knee blow, or gut knee, really. <laughs> two yeah, minutes. Yeah. Time of the fight: two minutes twenty-five seconds of round number three. Juan Archuleta in the co-main beat up Naoki Inoue, crushing his return to Dana hopes via unanimous decision in a fight yeah. that really could have gone either way. Wouldn't y'all agree? I think, yeah, both of them could have went either way, but I think, you know, um, that's why I said earlier, I predicted, I, I actually predicted, uh, you know, it would win, but that was wrong. But I knew Asakura would win because just, I just know, like, when they're in a rising ring, they can do no wrong, you know, in terms of, like, they just, they're the golden children, you know? Um, so I knew he was going to win this. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. And what say you, Jay? Wolf? What did you thought of the main event and the co-main event? They were absolutely fantastic. You, you already know from the previous shows and talking to me on the, the Enterprise and Discord. So that was, I was beyond pumped for the collaboration super fights, as I call them, with the Bellator fighter crossovers that were coming in. And in, in the co-main, Ron Archuleta and Naoki Inoue, like you're saying, Jay Chris, Inoue was fighting for see about going to the UFC afterwards as well. And so there was a lot riding on that fight and that just that fight delivered the goods really. I mean Archuleta and both Inouye and Archuleta were just super impressive. Yeah, it, was, it was so good. People who say he's a boring fighter actually said this was his best fight in his career. Turn into a number one 
same with that vicious need of the body, that just the, the gut need, as Jay Cush just called it, and just, man, man, just absolutely carry the event, put the cherry on top of that great Rapid Rising 42 event. Just a fantastic performance, and now, like, like Jay Cush was saying in the intro, that now Archuleta and Azakura, they're going to match up and announce it for July. They're going to match up in July for the Bantamweight title. Not to mention, not to mention, if you're a Latin hip hop fan, you would know that entrance music, Return of the Trace. fantastic but the thing I I mean I kind of had a problem with him coming out to I mean yeah the whole entrance was amazing you know him coming out with the conquistador flag and the Japanese battle flag was kind of a little I mean I wouldn't say crazy I wouldn't say controversial I mean it's just that you know let me tell you something right now if he came out Yeah, I mean, um, I, that's what I'm basically saying. Like, let's just say if this fight were to have taken place, and I don't want to sound like one of these asshole news journalists on either side of the political spectrum. I mean, if he would have came out with a Confederate battle flag, he would have definitely got a whole hell of a lot of backlash because of it. But still, though, you know... Yeah, you just gotta be 
be careful, man. Like, you know, if you, if you guys ever see, I, I hear what you're saying, but you guys ever see the, the 2019 Battle of Midway movie? They, they, they tried to pay, what he was trying to do was pay homage to, you know, the, the, answer, the Japanese ancestors, the warriors that came before him. And in that movie, Midway, in 2019, they were also paying homage to not only the American fighters, but also the Japanese Navy that was part of the Battle of Midway. But still, though, before we before we continue, I just want to ask: Now that we got the fight between Archuleta and Kaya Sakura set up, I mean, I just gotta ask: Now we all know that fight's gonna be a banger. But what do you do with the losers of these fights? What do you do with Yuki Motoya? What do you do with Naoki anyway? to these two fighters when it comes down to Motoya and Inoue let's just say they don't face off against each other for a while who would you want them to face because the rising bantamweight division is already stacked to the gills not just with domestic talent but with I guess now international guys Versus Ryzen again. 
Um, to be honest, we haven't really, no, nobody's really discussed anything about where this fight's going to be taking place. All they're basically saying is that it's going to be happening in July. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, kind of think of it, would it take place in, you know, the Aichi Prefecture, particularly Nagoya? I mean, it's got to be a big arena. Whatever it is, it's got to be a big arena. Because that's going to, like Star was saying, it's going to smell like hotcakes. It's got all the core action, bro, and it developed the core versus Ryzen and Archuleta. Archuleta, former champion, only only man to beat Patchy Mix. Bellator's current Grand Bentley Grand Prix winner and interim champion right now. That's going to face off against the winner of their, their super fight between Patricio and Sergio Pettis for their Bantamweight strap. What you're saying is, in it being a big arena, I guess that would disqualify it from happening at Dolphins Arena, right? I mean, I would pick the arena that you would best. What, what you what? What do they expect to sell? Do they? I would assume with all these like it's a it's a cross promotion fight, it's a title fight, and it's like a nationality. It's a nation versus nation fight, which always does well in in, in um in uh combat sports. Mm-hmm. They would they would get the biggest arena possible, so I would assume like they may they might try for Saitama Super Arena, especially it's, it's one of the Asakura brothers, you know. They always have a good room with them. I mean, yeah, they would want to. Be, I mean, I obviously bet they want to put at least twenty thousand asses, or maybe thirty thousand asses. In the seats at the Saitama Super Arena. But considering the fact that, you know, this is a type of fight that you would normally associate with something like a New Year's Eve. I mean, you don't want to go half-ass on it because, basically, if you have this fight take place with a shitty undercard to go underneath it, people are not going to be interested in it. I mean, and that probably includes us, you know. Yeah. Well, that's that's something they're gonna have to figure out. But yeah, I want I, I want to talk about I, I want to talk about this 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 tri-bait event, man. The, the last bait event, the, the the first of three that 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 happened because this was my fight of the night. 
Ah, uh, yes, of course. We can go ahead and talk about that now. Roberto Satoshi de Sousa, the rising lightweight champion in non-title competition, beating up All Might, I mean, Spike Carlisle, the Alpha Ginger, via unanimous decision. I mean, look, all I gotta say is I predicted that he was gonna try to choke him out, and he almost did, like, a bunch of times. Like, I'll give Spike credit, like, he, like a lot of uh, lesser fighters would have tapped out or got choked out. Because he had him. He had him a bunch of times. So I got to give him credit for that. But I knew he was going in there with the game plan. He's a he's a BJJ expert. He's a BJJ master. He came in there, and he was going to grapple him up. He was going to try to choke him out. And he almost did. And, you know, he had a chip on the shoulder because he lost previously to a Bellator fighter. He said, I'm not, that's not happening again. Uh-huh. No. I mean, come to think of it, I I thought it was pretty much one of the better fights that Spike Carlisle had in his career. It's just that he was pretty much getting, I wouldn't say beaten pillar to post because he had his moments in that fight. Yeah, but I don't think this is going to lead to, you know, him not being invited back to the Rising Ring because... I mean, yeah, because he basically shown, you know, he has heart, sheer will, determination, all that stuff. It's just the fact that when it comes down to him, you know, facing off against fighters like Roberto Satoshi de Sosa, I think he pretty much bit off more than he can chew. I mean, props for him coming out in that All Might outfit from My Hero Academia. Shout out to all the anime fans out there. <laughs> and, you know, coming out to all that, I mean, coming out to the theme for All Might, which I think is called, and I know I'm basically gonna get some people who like Chuck Huber, the voice actor who plays All Might, basically bashing me for saying this, but <clears throat> I am here! That's the name of the song. But still, though, point of the matter is... Point of the matter is, even though the dude was dressed up like, and I think some people basically called him like a JAV version of All Might, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. If you know what JAB is, shame on you, but search. Yeah, if you know, you know, but still, point of the matter is, when it came down to his, I think that when it came down to that particular fight, Dude simply got outmatched. No disrespect, but I think he's going to probably need to go right back to the drawing board and, you know, work himself a little bit better. Maybe get some help from either the training lab or his people over at King's MMA. Yeah, he definitely needs to go to something because it was not... I mean, look, uh, it, it was not good, but, you know, 
know, I picked I, I picked Satoshi to win, and I knew he was going to do that. Like I knew. I mean, he's a dog, man. He's, he, he is a dog, and you know, he just decided, you know what, I'm going to try to choke this guy out, and he could. And but I will give him credit, as I said before, like a lot of lesser fighters would have gotten choked out. So, if anything, you can give him credit for that. So. Hmm. Yeah, and it, oh, sure. it takes two. So you were basically okay with you were basically okay with the the Sosa Carlisle fight damn near being a grapple fuck fest, right? Yeah, like, but, 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 but what did anybody? If you know what that's what you're gonna get, then yeah. I mean, look, like, if, if, do you expect a PJJ guy not to, to stand stand and bang with somebody? No. Who 
smoking. Yeah, make it happen. You, you, you star, you the man what he wants. Louis Killer Gustavo, give him a title shot that he, proper, that he earned and, uh, you know, put on the fight of the night at, at, against Pacheta at Landmark 5. And now it's the Robert Espoche de Souza for another fight of the night performance against Spike Carlisle. So, and it was a non-title belt. So now, Killer Gustavo versus Satoshi de Souza for a lightweight title. Let's make it happen, Takaki Barra, son. And bring Vanderlei in Killer's corner. We need to see him. Absolutely, hundred percent agreed. Absolutely. You know what? They could even put that. I mean, that That would even have to put out as Kazakura and Archuleta, and then De Souza and Killer Gustavo. I mean, because you know Killer Gustavo is known to the international audience because remember he was part of one of the first collaboration bouts. Bout that left us scratching our head and asking. It was like, why? Why the hell did you basically set it for a draw? I mean, in normal kickboxing, I mean, in normal kickboxing fights, especially in K1. When something like this happens, you normally have an extension round after that. If this would have been, 
If this would have been a damn tournament fight, it definitely would have gotten an extension round. But still, Buakar Banchamek versus Rukia, the Demolition Man, Ampo, went to a unanimous draw. Be I mean, it was so... I mean, we're not going to basically bash the fight because it was so damn good to enjoy. It was just action to yeah, the nail. Great, but, you know, it's like a good movie ending like trash. It's like... It's like I mean, basically, it's like a good movie ending on one of the worst clip hangers there is. Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. I mean, look, um, it was a great fight. I was really impressed. You know, I'm not, I'm not being into the, into the kickboxing scene that I went to the, to the JK guys and, and the server, but oh man, mm. really more I can say on it. It was a great fight to end it terrible. Yeah. 
I mean, exactly. So, here's the thing, though. Now comes the big question. Do you book a rematch because this one ended in a draw? If, if they fight like they did this, this, like this fight, yes. Yes. Huh. If they fight like they did here, yes. Yeah, sure. I'd be totally down for a, for a rematch. How would the Kick Fam think about that? If the Kick Fam is supportive of a rematch, they definitely book it. If they want to see me against different people, then you know, go ahead and do that or, or whatever. So, just to see what the Kick Fam thinks about it. I wouldn't mind seeing it. I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch happen, but I agree with you, and I can basically pretty much say this for certain: that if this fight had not ended in a unanimous fucking draw, we would have had a decisive winner heading out of this fight. Let's, let's move on to the next fight because this was wild. Oh uh, yeah, let's go ahead. Yeah, let's go ahead and move on. We can. Groan and gripe about Buakar versus Ampo all day, but hey, last time I checked, this is Focus Fights audio, not beyond kickboxing. <laughs> no disrespect to those folks, they do a damn good job compared to this one. Uh, yeah, of course, but yeah, going out, well, actually, going out from the final four fights to the other nine on the card. Well, actually, the other, yeah, the other nine on the card. Because it was 13 fights on the card, right? 13. Mm-hmm. And the fight that took place before intermission, y'all, I'm going to tell you, it was a vibe. I mean, you had Yaman coming out. Looking all Vegas out with the dancers, you know, dressed up in beautiful lingerie. You know, it was, it made me tingle a little bit, <laughs> teehee. But still, though, you had that, you had all types of, I guess, as a certain wrestling promoter used to say, pyro and ballyhoo. Then you had Yaman make his entrance. Basically the same way he did in the match when he was beating up Ashizawa. You know, coming out to the whole 20th Century Fox get up and showdown by the Black Eyed Peas. Which, oh, by the way, when I posted that on my theme song Discord, it ended up getting 14,000 views alone. I mean, and that's no disrespect to Mickey K. MMA. He got only, like, 4,500. But still, though, that's pretty much a milestone for me to even figure that out. Because Yaman is just that damn popular. Colt had his rapper buddy come out. And, you know, he at least had an entrance, so to speak. But this fight, man, it was something. Even though it was under special rules, two five-minute rounds... It didn't even last long. Three minutes, 13 seconds. Ren Yaman Sugiyama KO Kota Miura, giving him only his second loss in combat sports competition. 
Well, yeah, his first loss, his first loss as a mixed martial artist, his second loss in combat sports competition, if you count the fight, quote unquote, he had with Buakar. But still, though, when you look at this fight, Yaman says he has a future in MMA. What do you think? just as exciting and just as, you know, energetic as Canelo or even Bad Bunny from later on that day? Yeah, man, took a little bit of inspiration from, like, uh, 
I'm gonna go ahead and tell y'all right now, the only way somebody in JMMA would probably get a pop like that is if they have somebody big from the Japanese music world join them. I'm not basically saying like Ikichi Yazawa because he's like the Mick Jagger of Japanese music. I'm basically saying somebody like Utada, somebody like, you know, the Yoshida brothers. I mean, yeah, they would definitely get a pop. I mean, kind of think of it. I mean, yeah, but still, though, in JMMA, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that dude was definitely. What you're basically saying is, in a way, there should be like a Ryzen Noah crossover as far as the entrances go, right? The entrances, yeah. Not, not in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's go ahead and move on to the fight now. I mean, damn. I mean, yeah. Would y'all basically say that the entrance lasted longer than the ass whooping? Yeah. 
That was super impressive. And, you know, there's a plethora of fights you can book Yaman in next. But as far as Kota Miura, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. The one fight that needs to be booked that only happened on the scales, pretty much. It didn't happen in the ring. It needs to happen in the ring before this man has, I, I don't know, an aneurysm or something like that. It needs to happen soon. Felipe Massoni versus Kota Miura. Because Felipe Massoni put out a tweet after Kota Miura got his ass kicked. In saying, and I quote, This guy is the star of the country. Moore does not fight as an adult. Kota Miura, you are a comedy. Basically what he's trying to... Basically, in the limited English that he knows, he's basically saying that Colt Amir was a joke. Yeah, but of course, when it comes down to that, you know, they were supposed to fight back in September. Obviously, that fight did not happen because I guess Miura had an injury. I mean, Miura faked an injury, and you know now he's been ducking. Yeah, now and now Miura is basically ducking Masoni like the plague. <laughs> of course. But still, though, when I ask about the plethora of fights that Yaman, you know, could possibly face off in, I mean, Yushi is one of them, you know, there's a few other fighters he wants from the kickboxing world, like a rematch with Ashizawa, but let's just play armchair booker here, armchair fight promoter here. Who would you two want to see Yaman face? You could only pick one opponent for him to face off and if you could only pick one opponent for him to face off in the future on on a future rising show, who would it be? Now, 
that we are officially done. I mean, come to think of it, we can also say that if the Bullcar versus Umpo rematch doesn't happen, Umpo could maybe drop by, well, let's just say 70 kilos, 155 pounds, ain't that easy to drop. They would have to meet in another catchweight fight, but I would love to see Yaman versus Ampo. Yeah, in kickboxing. I think you would probably have to give him, you know, smaller gloves, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's go ahead and move on to the next fight down the line. And that would be John Dotson beating up Tatsuki Sawamoto, ending his unbeaten streak. And of course, that was via unanimous decision. The two-time UFC flyweight title challenger beat the current Zest ZST flyweight champion. Mm-hmm. And when it comes down to John Dotson, I did post this on one of the Focus Fights pages. John Dotson's basically saying what everybody else is thinking, that the superior rule set of Ryzen is the best rule set, the best fight rule set in the world. I was hyped and fucking typing as fast as I 
There were there were two other fights in the flyweight class. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I mean, come to think of it, do y'all want to talk about them now and run ourselves off the card a little bit? Okay, well, we'll get back to this. Because. talk about this when we get down to the third of our three flyweight bouts on the card. I mean, especially considering the fact that, you know, that was the only flyweight fight. I mean, the third of the three flyweight fights on this card was the only flyweight fight to end in a knockout. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we can go ahead and, you know, save ourselves for that. Let's go ahead and move down the card. Featherweights, Kazumasa Maijima, the former Rebel FC champion, submitted Takahiro Ishida, 4 minutes, 43 seconds, via shoulder choke. Technical submission, earning his first win in rising competition. How did y'all enjoy this particular finish? Okay. Okay, maybe I'm looking at this on Wikipedia and they don't know a damn thing. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the wrong result then. Basically, the people on Wikipedia don't know anything worth a damn about MMA because they call it a shoulder choke. Obviously, it was a Von Flu choke. Yeah, that, that, that was better than the other one. Well, I mean, that, uh, we'll, we'll get to the armbar when we get to it. I mean, it was pretty badass. 
yeah, of course. And that was only featherweight fight number one. Well, at least from what we're looking down, it's featherweight fight number one. It was actually number three. This was featherweight fight number two. Oka, yeah. Yuta Oka Sasaki beating the adventurer, or sneaky, as the rest of the world calls him, Boyd Allen, via unanimous decision. And I'm not going to lie, Boyd Allen, for him being a boxer slash mixed martial artist, he really knew how to hold his own. He was even about to submit Oka at one point in this fight, but then we realized... You know, boxers are not the best on the ground for obvious reasons. That's, that's their biggest weakness. That's why wrestlers always beat up boxers in MMA. Mm -hmm. so just take them down the ground. Just put them there. What are you going to do? Punch me? <laughs> so it's, it's uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't really have any face on them because boxing is not the best uh, basis for your MMA career, but, um, event, I mean, I'm probably going to lump Takahiro Ishida in this as well. What do you do with Boyd Allen? Do you put him in a fight with Takahiro Ishida, or do you just tell him, hey, thanks for your time, you know, here's a one-way flight back to Johannesburg? I want him to bring in 
Victor Kolesnik, the former M1 Global Featherweight title challenger who lost twice to Nate the Train Lambweir, basically kicked Atsushi Kishimoto's legs and made him feel like he was walking Linguini. Yeah, he was doing the same Mm-hmm. He knocked him out officially. Two minutes, 57 seconds, round number two. TKO and him. Getting a nice little bonus on the way to, well, obviously, future success. I mean, he signed for a few more fights. I don't know exactly what his deal is as far as how many fights that he has. But, I mean, let's just say, obviously, you got Roberto Satoshi de Sosa potentially facing off against Luis Killer Gustavo to see who is not only the best Brazilian in Ryzen, but also a future world champion. Where do you place Victor Kolesnik in that discussion now that he had a dominant finish like this? I mean, right after. Whoever wins that fight, I think he should have him right after. Yeah, but do you really book him in, I mean, he's only had one fight in the promotion, and he does have championship experience in Russia. Do you really book him in his second fight with the promotion for the title? Yes, yes, I think it would be perfect. Not only is he a great matchup, 
UFC when they had the clean matchups between the Brazilians and the Russians. It just, it, it, you're absolutely right. It could be, for, for this new golden era we're in, it, it could be one of those types of fights. Absolutely. So uh, I just, I can't wait to see him put in the rising ring and cage again. I mean, dude, just, I'm just so happy that they're bringing in these good international fighters. I just want them to keep it up. Just keep bringing these good international fighters. And, and it's just, it's just so much fun. I just can't wait for the, for the next one, so. Yep. And now we're going to go to a fight that I got completely wrong. Um. I mean, come to think of it, a lot of people got this fight completely wrong because they just thought that Yuki Ito was just going to dominate Ursin Batman Yamamoto. But hey, maybe kids looking down on him thinking, hey, I finally trained somebody on the right path. And in the case of this, Ursin Batman Yamamoto, I mean, he should get all his flowers now. He's now 4-5 and five as a competitor in mixed martial arts off the back of beating Yuki Ito, the more experienced, much more winnable fighter via unanimous decision. Now we all know damn well he is nowhere close to any title picture. I mean, even popularity-wise, I don't even think he's close to a title picture. But... When you saw that Ursin Batman Yamamoto just dominated Yuki Ito throughout this fight and won, what were your immediate thoughts? Come to think of it, we can talk about the flyweight Grand Prix after we get to talking about Timmy Raw versus Hamamoto. But I mean, a Grand Prix in this case is only 16 fights, three fighter. Well, actually, three wins to a world title, right? Yeah, I mean, there's enough to do an eight man Grand Prix. I mean, 
I mean, I'm just saying. He... Jay, Jay, Jay. I'm just saying. Either way, I mean, if Urson were to get into a Grand Prix, you know, go on a tear, this dude would not only be over 500, but he would definitely be a world champion in the making. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, kind of think of it with the record of him being, and I'm just putting this in sports terms right now, at four and five, he wouldn't even be bowl eligible in college football. Yeah. yeah. It could be like one of those uh, trashy, uh, what's the worst conference in football again? Uh, um, uh, I would say, college. I mean, as far as Division 1A, I would say it's the, I would say it's the Sun Belt. <laughs> Oh, yeah, only to crash out by November. Yeah, for sure. After this fight, even though, of course, he is the much more experienced, much more winnable fighter. Okay, Sar, you would do the same? Yep. Hmm, understood. Nothing wrong about that here. Now, when it comes down to this next fight, let's just say Takuya Yamamoto should have never came in overweight. He came in three, yeah, he came in about one and a half a kilo or three pounds over. I mean, that's a big no-no in rising. That's a big no-no when it comes to Japanese MMA because if you come in overweight, you might as well say, hey, it's been fun, but I want a future endeavor myself. <laughs> you're not taking it seriously. You're not taking it seriously, enough. Mm-hmm. So, basically, what did the undefeated Takeji Yokoyama do? Oh, nothing. It's just get his fourth straight submission victory in the first round. Armbar, baby. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 84 seconds, too. Yeah, as you said, if it wasn't for the Von Gima choke, it would have been the submission of the night. 
competition never came in overweight. I mean, look. Uh, I mean, come to think of it, we've seen plenty of fighters dating all the way back to the first show when Felipe Efrain faced off against Yuki Motoya back in December, back on December 29th, 2015, where if you lose, I mean, if you do not come in at the contracted weight you are set to be in, unless you're a heavyweight, of course, you do not fight in Ryzen anymore. That's what's happened with Felipe Efrain. That's what's happened with the crazy Andy Nguyen. And I'm pretty sure that's probably what's going to happen to Takuya Yamamoto. Because I don't think we're going to see this man compete in Ryzen anymore. After that. just want to ask, now that we pretty much lambasted Takuya Yamamoto, I'm just asking here to Keji Yokoyama. He's a 5-0 prospect. What do you do with him next? Right there. I mean, just, just the setup alone just shows his skills are, are, are 
from Uzbekistan, Ramazan Temurov in that fight again. Yeah, Ramazan Timurlan Temurov. I think it's pronounced Timurlane. Oh, Timurlane, yeah. Timurlane Tim. I'm sorry. I don't understand. Uh, it's alright. I just, uh, um, it's, it's not like a conqueror of, like, Uzbekistan, I think. It's, it's like a name. Yeah. I mean, kind of think of it. Let's just say the dude from Eastern Europe is pretty much kicking a whole lot of ass and knocking them out. I mean, I obviously. Mm-hmm. Oh, my apologies. My apologies, because wasn't Uzbekistan like a Soviet territory back in the day? Temirov pretty much secured his future in the promotion. I mean, even though even though this was, of course, his debut in the promotion, and he's a really hot prospect from Europe, but let's just go ahead and say it now. Ramazan Temirov knows how to knock somebody out, and he did that against Yuta Kat Hamamoto back, I mean, in four minutes and six seconds. He knocked him out the same way Tenshin Nasukawa knocked him out, knocked Hamamoto out, but in less time. I mean, look, I just gotta say this. This man, the man from Uzbekistan, uh, he made a damn good impression on the rice in front office by knocking that man out. Like, it was, you couldn't have a better introduction, don't you think? Because those guys are established. It's a thing 
what John Johnson. Everybody knows what John Johnson can do. But this is actually the first time we I've ever seen this man fight. I know it's the first time you've ever seen him fight and mm-hmm. same for you, Jake. We don't be watching no Central Asian MMA promotions. Like no offense to anybody in Central Asia. Just it's not something we watch. We don't watch Chinese MMA either. to see more of him either and I mean come to think of it even though he got KO'd and is probably still feeling the effects of that KO what do you do with Yuta Hamamoto next do you give him another fuck off for the next five years or do you basically tell him hey we would love to have you back
Oh, uh, yeah. Of course, we're pretty much obligated to talk about it now because we completely brushed it off in the preview. <sighs> 69 kilos, I guess 150 pounds? Celtic Severus Kimura defeated former K1 world champion Yasuhiro Kido via unanimous decision. Did y'all even find this fight interesting? particular fight even though of course you know Severus did beat a former K1 world champion it was a meh for me <laughs> much the free Texas Roadhouse, I mean, it was like the free Texas Roadhouse, you know, buns. It's the potatoes of, of, of 
yeah, it's, yeah, but what I was trying to say, it was basically like the Texas Roadhouse dinner rolls with the cinnamon butter of MMA. Mm-hmm. But still, though, I mean, I just got to ask now that we're pretty much, I mean, we're also going to talk about what happened in the interstools of the card as well, the intermission. But just want to ask before we get to that, what was your, I mean, what am I trying to say? Basically, just like what the We Are Rising podcast does. You know, we'd like to pick a fight of the night, a submission, a fight of the night, knockout of the night, submission of the night. What were your three in that order? with your choices first. of the night my knockout of the night obviously the main event Kai Asakura knocking out Yuki Motoya to earn his place of facing off against Juan Archuleta at a future date and time to crown the new and to fifth rising bantamweight champion of the world as far as the submission of the night goes I am also gonna have to go with the Vanjima choke him submitting Takahiro Ishida because, I mean, let's just face it. How often do you see a Von Flute choke, you know, in combat sports outside of the octagon, so to speak? I mean, come to think of it, if OSP, I mean, OSP knew better 
then to basically introduce this particular type of choke because I'm pretty sure that everybody's going to start that everybody was going to start using it even of course Jason Van Flu I mean Jason Von Flu when he first started out in combat sports didn't know how popular this choke was going to become and of course Majima basically you know continued that trajectory so to speak so you know the Majima, the Majima Ashida technical submission, Von Flu Choke was my submission of the night. But my fight of the night, I'm going to have to pick a draw on this one. It's going to go to John Dotson versus Tatsuki Saomoto and Buakar Banchamek versus Rukia Ampo. Those two fights really shown. I mean, even though. You know, apples and oranges, the whole comparison. It was pretty much a. I mean, with the Dotson Salmoto fight, it was just Dotson using the superior rule set in every way, shape, and form just to dominate Salmoto. I mean, it's like I said, I mean, it's like I put out in that Focus Fights tweet John Dotson stinking what everybody else already knows. The superior rule set is the best fight rule set in the world today. And mm-hmm, and Dotson pretty much proved it. Now, as far as the kickboxing fight is concerned, I'm still a little pissed about that, especially considering the fact that it ended in a draw. Mm-hmm. It would be. I mean, it would be cool if they can run it back because this fight definitely deserves a second look. Especially considering the fact that you had two of the best kickboxers, you know, obviously in Asian fight culture history. I mean, Buakar's been fighting since he was a fucking kid, and when he was at his, when he was at the top of his game, Ampo was idolizing him. So, you know, these two deserve a rematch, preferably on a bigger stage, maybe on New Year's Eve or something like that. But that's a long ways off. I don't see either one of these men, you know, changing up future opponents anytime soon. I don't see Buakar going back to BKFC Thailand or whatever. I do see Ampo potentially doing more breaking down shows. But when they meet back in the center of the ring for Ryzen, I hope they do get the opportunity to fight each other one more time. Because that's something that just felt like a bad cliffhanger in a good movie. If you don't like my opinions, it's like the great Larry Holmes say to all the judges, the promoters, you can take your opinions where the sun don't shine. And since we on Focus Fights Audio, that's my little black behind. <laughs> but still, though, but still, though, going back to the intermission and what was basically decided off of that, we already know. Asakura versus Archuleta for the Bantamweight Championship of the World is going to happen 
this summer, maybe this fall, maybe it's going to be saved for New Year's Eve. Who knows? We have to... <laughs> yeah, they did say July, but we don't know the where and when it's going to be. Again, we won't know that until we get there. I'm just saying, as far as the immediate future goes, what was announced in the rise and intermission, you know, when Sakaki Bar came out to the ring and did his usual announcements, he basically said that for Ryzen 43 in Sapporo, Hokkaido, Japan, June 24th, which is going to be on the same weekend as Forbidden Door in Toronto, Ontario, Canada for AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. On this card, Rising 43, we will see Mr. Yabaidaro, a.k.a. the Dangerous One, Genju Umeno, return to competition after getting knocked out by Ren Hiromoto in a boxing match on New Year's Eve. Well, boxing-ish with spinning back fist. Anyways, Umeno goes back to kickboxing where he last conquered over Trent Nino Loco Gurdham. He goes back to kickboxing to take on Hiroki Suzuki at 62 and a half kilos or 140 pounds. The highly anticipated featherweight title fight between Kleber Koike Erbst and Chihiro Suzuki. which is bludgeoning at this point, how do you see Igor Tanabe faring in the rising ring, even though we don't know who he's going to be facing? I mean, for all we know, he could pretty much be like Satoru Sayama's kid and not even fight at all. Well, 
think of it though Igor Tanabe is a heavyweight he is well yeah he is a heavyweight I think he basically fought Melvin Manoff at middleweight but still though no it actually I don't think that even was at middleweight I think that was like right in the middle light heavy but still though point of the matter is I mean therein lies the problem as in, there's not that many big dudes in Japan that, you know, would be willing to face somebody like an Igor Tanabe. So, wouldn't you have to get somebody internationally to face off against him that That's isn't right. put on a military base? to see a dropkick KO because that's one way that can turn that's one thing that can basically make people turn on this sport at a drop of a hat that would be funny that would definitely get a lot of memes but come on Come to think of it, it wouldn't be the first time somebody tried to do some Enochism shit in the Rising Ring. Remember the grandma fight? single show since then. Wow. 
But I bet all 30 of those people had the time of their lives trying to watch that. But in all seriousness, though, I mean, when it comes down to Igor Tanabe, let's just say he faces off against somebody from outside of Japan in his first fight. That's going to probably be obvious. And from the looks of how he is right now, he looks pretty jacked for him being 22 years old. But let's just say he faces off against somebody... From outside of Japan, who do you think he would be, I mean, who do you think that he would be matched up against? Obviously, it would have to be a free agent who isn't signed to Bellator, to UFC, or anywhere like that. I mean, that would be understandable. That would be understandable, but then again, let's be reminded of the fact that Kaliu is a literal giant. Well, actually, Tanabe can fight anywhere from middleweight to heavyweight. It's just the fact that I don't think you would want to put him up against somebody whose nickname is literally the Juggernaut. No, there, there was not any But yeah. <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> wow. But one more thing we. basically don't want to mess up the guy's name for fear of yeah for fear of basically getting something that you wouldn't want on your doorstep
you know what? Come to think of it, come to think of it, that kind of reminds me, and we can end it off on this. Wouldn't that money be best well spent on better English commentary? I mean, oh no. Goodness, yes, yes. We're tired. We, we, need, we need as rise fans to go on strike like the writers. Better English commentary. I mean, I don't want to. I do not want to. Oh, wow. I do not want to show any disrespect towards Elliot Compton or Damien Beatdown Brown. Problem is they're overbooked. Yeah, they're overpriced. They are overbooked. They're not overpriced, Jay. Well, they do a good job. Not only our speakers, but if we were listening through headphones, our eardrums too. You know what? Either hire them or get Michael Schiavello and Frank Trigg to do commentary. I mean, especially considering the fact that Michael Schiavello is a free agent now as far as commentary goes because 1FC was stupid enough to drop him. Yeah, I remember that, and he did it with, I think, both Frank Trigg and Joe Ferraro. They did well. Their main mistakes are, their main mistake was getting somebody that could even try and, I mean, no disrespect, they basically done everything they can. They hired more Ronaldo to do commentary, and he did well with Frank Shamrock, dog abuser. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, yeah, they basically had their big hits with more Ronaldo and with Joe Ferraro, but they also had their big misses as well. I mean, shit, who could forget Chris Cordero, 
right? Yeah, Matt Stryker. I mean, it's either that elite international talent and ringside commentary, or in the case of the fact that the technical difficulties did happen, either get some better production, you know, so shit like that wouldn't happen, or, you know, switch to a different pay-per-view provider. No disrespect to Fight TV, but, you know, for all the shit we gave the now dead live now, you know, they did pretty well on their own. Eversport, when they had the events for free, they did well. You know? Yeah, I, I'd like it to remain on fight because you know, a lot of people know fight now. It's, it's a very big site, you know, from bare knuckle box and everything. A, a, lot of, a lot of cool stuff is on fight, the, uh, the fight app. So I, I'd like Verizon to stay with the fight app. Everybody knows it. They know how to do the process to get pay per views on it.
I mean, come to think of it, we want to see... I mean, I sent a message, like, uh, about... I guess now I can say it. I sent a message after Ryzen 42 was over saying, Hey, when is Damian Brown and Elliot Compton going to fight again? And, I mean, Damian Brown basically said Elliot Compton fought back in March. Damian Brown still trying to get the opportunity to fight, but no go. So it's not from a lack of trying. But still, though, I mean, you have to think that, you know, a fight with Damian Brown or Elliot Compton in the Rising Ringer cage is going to happen a hell of a lot sooner than Rising getting good English commentary and good production. I mean, come to think of it, it's either Frank Trigg, Heath Herring, or Ben Wynn, so to speak. I mean, anyway, in any way, it would be better than to have MMA's version of the damn Heidi game. Because that's he loves doing that. But, but, uh, but don't stop shitting. 
hitting on you is hard if you get actual ringside fucking commentary. This is not hard. This is not hard, Ryzen. Right, exactly. How expensive could it really be? You know what I mean? I mean, how much money are they really saving on that? And we were seeing tweets from people that were pissed off. And I'll go ahead and basically end it by saying this. Ryzen, Shingo Kashiwagi, and all the people behind it. You know, Nobuhika Takada, Nobuyuki Sakaki Barla. Everybody pretty much running that damn thing. At least for the English side of it. If it's not just Shingo Kashiwagi behind the English side of it. Because let's face it, he know how to basically work deals two ways. Like he on an NIL deal. But the point of the matter is this. You better be blessed and highly favored that this event happened in the middle of May, the middle of the spring, when there's so much going on and not that many people around the world give much of a damn because there's other things on. Because if this type of shit were to have happened on a New Year's Eve card or a big-time fight card in the summer... He had been over Yeah. There would have been some furniture moving, and there would have been some heads a rolling, and that would have been on Ryzen's hands, not the fans. And I'll leave it at that. But other than that, you guys, it's been fun doing this again. I just want to basically close it out by saying, J Wolf, where can people find you?
Okay, okay. And Sar, even though you're not on social media, where can people find you? Uh, the Ryzen FM Dispans Discord, I guess. <laughs> okay, and of course... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, or you can buy me at your mom's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just make sure you send a search party out to Galveston Island, Texas. <laughs> Yeah, she gonna be right by the. She gonna be right on Stewart Beach where the McDonald's used to be. <laughs> but, but still, though, in all seriousness, you can check out more about the Ryzen FL fans Discord server. The link for that will be in the description of this podcast. And oh, by the way, that's our show. I mean, obviously, I thank y'all for both coming in and. You know, dropping some knowledge and obviously having some fun talking about the Ryzen Fighting Federation and Ryzen 42 in general. The next show for the Ryzen Fighting Federation, mark this date down on your calendar, it'll be June 24th from the Makomanai Ice Arena in Sapporo, Hokkaido, Japan. Ryzen 43, it will see Genji Umeno, Yabaidaro! Take on Hiroki Suzuki in a catchweight bout at 62.5 kilos or 140 pounds. And then at 145 pounds or 66 kilos, Kleber Koike Erps, the man from Banzai Jiu-Jitsu, will defend the Ryzen featherweight title against Chihiro Suzuki, the kickboxing and MMA crossover star. Go to the Ryzen Fighting Federation's Twitter handles, at Ryzen underscore PR, for the Japanese domestic fans and at Ryzen underscore English which is for the international fans and stick with those platforms because those are the only two places where you'll get more information aside from their social media handles their YouTube Facebook and Instagram accounts and their website jp.ryzenfl.com where you will get more information about when well, actually, not when, but where Ryzen will be shown, 
and how many more fights will be put on this card. But other than that, that's going to be it from us for now. I thank you, sir, and you, Jane Wolf, for joining me on this podcast. And we're glad that y'all are a part of the Rising Fan Nation. And we're even grateful that you're listening to us on Focus Fights Audio. On the next, I mean, the next episode, who knows what I'm going to be doing. I'm probably going to be going back to interviews. But hopefully we can do more episodes like this often. Other than that, you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisGary92. Follow me on Instagram at ChristianGary1992. If you want to find out more about what we got here at Focus Fights, our Linktree URL is in the description of this podcast. And that also includes where you can find more about Focus Fights Audio. Until then, I'm done. SARS done. Jay Wolf's done. And when it comes down to the end of this podcast, and I do thank Andrew Benjamin for taking the time out to go to Japan and leave an opening for me to do this, but it's like the 60-year-old Lenny Hart, Lenny Legend, always likes to say... We are... And I close out by saying peace, my peoples, in one love world. Take care of yourself and each other. Protect yourself at all times. Keep fighting because you never know who might be listening to your story. And it's like Jay Wolf says, and you can go ahead and say it with me, Jay. Pride never die. Pride is rising. Damn right. Take care, and we hope to see y'all soon. Peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I said the whole world's follow the leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You looking for me, just follow the reef. I can see clearly now the type of game I'm in. They prey on your downfall when you always win. Too busy looking out instead of within. Folks get close, now you stabbed by your fucking friend. Man, not this shit again. Lesson learned, pocket watch, can't discern. Never deal with bullshit in real time. I defer. Roach clip, protect my fingertips. Yeah, that's what you earn. Ashes, I'll make you dust. Punk if you fuck with us. I just lay back in something new. Whiskey 21 and over low ball. Make it too neat, Dizzle from Harlem. Yeah, I'm from Houston off of Fondren Mike Mazan and real world flow Plant these seeds in the streets and in weeks Watch it blossom Dark night, riding on chrome Swinging through Gotham It's me and Pete Repaving these roads I feel like Cody Shot a fiend the eighth I heard this bitch yell Kobe I reserve the right You get what you deserve Enjoy this full circle moment As the turntables turn Sharing pies call ace Every time we serve You fight a flight Bout the spike Hands off, still touching nerves Y'all got the gall I'm running this route Without the ball